Folks, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, everyone of all ages, there's been a lot of Pat's talk on here, but the OG of Pat's talk on this podcast, who's also named Pat, hasn't given his opinion yet. And before I want to get into anything else, the one main thing I wanted to talk about right off the hop is that Jeff Howe, Elliot Wolf tackle talk that came up because drafting a tackle in the first round isn't ideal. No, but I kind of compared it to, you know, when your your kids want something sweet from the grocery store, but you got to buy the food that they don't exactly like, like the vegetables. It's kind of like the drafting a tackle and kind of like the eating your vegetables pick. Yeah, I think that's actually, that's a pretty good, uh, that's probably a pretty good way to put it, I think. Yeah. Um, you don't like it, but you need it. Look, here, here's my big thing, right? Yeah. You talk about value, right? And we've and people get pissed about, you know, just as an example, people get pissed about the Cole Strange pick, right? Yeah. And what people get pissed about with the Cole Strange pick is that you don't take a guard at 29. And, and I agree with that. You don't take a tackle at three. You, you don't. I'm sorry you don't, especially with three bona fide studs at quarterback and a generational wide receiver. You don't take a tackle at number three overall. And, and there, by the way, there are some pass rushers in there that I bet by the time the combine rolls around, we're going to be getting top 10 vibes from some of those guys as well. Yeah. Of course, the wide receivers, you hear about the quarterbacks you hear about. You don't hear about the the edge rushers quite as much leading up to the draft. Of course, you know, outside of outside of, you know, Will Anderson last year, or whatever. But Dallas Turner is a great example. Dallas Turner is a guy that could sneak into the top five. He could. Now he may yeah. not, but he could because those guys are super valuable. I'm not saying left tackle is not a super valuable position. It no. is. But you have Joe Walt and Olu Fashanu. Yep. Those guys are awesome. They're awesome. They could start at left tackle for you for the next 10 years. But you don't draft them at three. You don't do that. Not in a year like this. Now, if it's a year that where you know there's no real super talent there, okay, fine. Joe Thomas gets drafted number three overall. There's not a ton of talent on the board, right? Jamarcus Russell, I think, went number one that year. But like, you know, realistically, as far as quarterback talent, yeah, there wasn't much there, right? And so, but you don't draft a guy at three. You can get at eight. That's stupid. That that's just bad drafting. And so, you know, as much as I I want them to go quarterback or, or wide receiver, that's what I want them to do. But hey, they need a left tackle. Trent Brown ain't coming back. Right. And so, and even if he does, I don't know if I want him as my starting left tackle. So they need a left tackle. If you can get an elite left tackle, that helps you. But again, I'm not, I'm not I'm not, you know, taking that guy with number three. Yeah, that's that's my thinking on it. It's like when I said the whole vegetables thing. Like, yeah, it's a, like I meant like it's the thing they need, but it would be an yeah. ugly need if they right. wanted this. If because right now I don't know if you saw of who Washington's hiring as their offensive coordinator that they're bringing in Cliff, yeah, yeah. Yep. which that's going to cause cause a whole schism now. To where can do you remember twenty seventeen when uh, San Francisco flees Chicago to swap two and three? Yeah. That very well could happen if Washington gets too aggressive and they're like, we got to go get Caleb because, you know, now that they have Cliff, signs are going to be starting pointing and being like, hey, we got to go up and get Caleb because that can cause a schism then to where if the Bears are like, hey, we can move back from Caleb, keep fields, get Marvin Harrison Jr., which then that opens the floodgates because then the Patriots would have the run-of-the-mill pick to which then even it could cause a 
Another schism of it's just like a downward effect spiral to then where, say, if an Atlanta or the Vegas can creep down and then say, hey, we're going to give you this plus our like a first next year, kind of like what Houston and Arizona did for when yep. Houston wanted to go out and get Will Anderson. So yep. if they wanted to do something like that to where now you look at a team like Arizona, who's at four, also has a Houston's pick, New England can set themselves up well because – when I look at the Pats overall for 2024, I'm not going to be on here saying fringe playoff team, wild card hunt. I see them kind of like what the Bears did this past year. You know where there's some growing pains mm-hmm. out the gate. They get their shit together, but by the time they get it together, it's it's too little too late. But then we kind of have that 2025 optimism ahead for us. So it's a very fun time to be a football fan. And for as sad as it is, there's only one game left. This is the time of year where you start doing the whole – what can happen or what could happen or very well react to the left field curveballs that might come in. Yeah. Look, you know, there's a whole bunch of things that could happen. Right. And I think, I think that, you know, the hiring of cliff is interesting because that's where you look at it and say, Hmm, is that a Caleb Williams move? And look, it, it might be that Chicago like Drake may better. And I'm not saying that that's the case, but they might, they might like Jaden Daniels better. Yeah. I don't know after what happened with fields. I don't know if they, if Jaden Daniels is the guy, but nevertheless, they might say, we're going to stick it out with fields for another year. Right. Yeah. And so, and if that's the case, then sure. Well, yeah, we'll give you one for number two and your second round pick and a third round pick next year or something like that. You know, yeah. because the thing is, is that, the, the real thing, moving from two to three is one thing. Getting to one is a whole new ball game. That's a, it's a whole new ball game. Even if you're coming from two, it's going to be something close to a first-round pick next year to get up to two. It doesn't matter where you are. It makes no difference because that's the way it works. And so, um, you know, I do think that, that you know, it's going to take a lot to get up there. But if that's what they want, they can do it. And the Bears can look at it and say, okay, we're going to take – more guys, we're going to keep rolling these things over. And, oh, by the way, we have another top 10 pick this year. So, you know, we can take Marvin Harrison Jr. at two. Or we could take Drake May at two. Or we could take Marvin Harrison at two and then trade back into, you know, trade back at nine and, you know, take Michael Penix at, at 15 or whatever, right? So there's a lot of options. Um, and I just, I don't know what they're, where their head's at. And I, you know, I mean, obviously the draft starts with Chicago, but like Chicago's got a lot of, they have a lot of decisions to make, right? This isn't like when Trevor Lawrence came out and everyone in the world knew that Jackson was taking Trevor Lawrence. Everyone knew it. Now the draft starts at two. The draft doesn't start at two. It starts at one this year. And so that's going to be interesting to see what they decide to do. Of course, they've been tight lipped about it as they should. Um, but I think that that's, and, and then the dominoes kind of fall for the Patriots where it's like, okay, if. Caleb goes one and Harrison goes two. Now you're like, well, we're not taking a wide receiver at three. We're not taking, you know, if we, if they don't love may, they're not taking a quarterback at three. And so does that limit the people that want to trade up? Right. I I don't know, but that might limit the people that want to move up too. So it is kind of fascinating to look at, look, if it's me personally, if I'm the Patriots, I'm either all in on on a quarterback or, you know, in my last mock, I had them moving up to one to take Caleb Williams. But I know there's a lot of pushback. It's so funny. Caleb Williams is one of those interesting guys that, like, on the field, yep. you don't see a lot of crit- criticism about him. The guy can make plays. He's incredible throwing the ball. He's incredible. He does things that Mahomes does, right, that really kind of only Mahomes does. 
But off the field is where you get the things. Oh, he paints his nails and he was crying to his mom and, you know, he's not the leader and blah, 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 blah. Right. And then the, you know, what the back of quarterbacks was a rushing touchdown in the, in the bowl game. He's like, no, we're a team, you know, implying that like Caleb's not there. It just seems kind of silly. Right. And yeah. so maybe that's the case and maybe he's not as good as people think he is, but my goodness, he's got all that talent and that's what wins in the NFL right now. Here's the thing. Talent like that doesn't come around all this often. So that's why I feel like, and if you're the Bears, I don't know if you trade Fields. If you, because I feel like if you try to trade Justin Fields before the draft, it kind of gives the sign off right away of what's going on. I think if you try to, if you want to trade him, do the, you know, Friday before day two begins at like middle afternoon, find that team, trade, and then maybe you can get day two compensation. Cause I know some people were saying, you could get day one compensation for him, but I, I I highly doubt that unless unless you find a stupid team that's in win now mode, like you know the like fake win now mode, kind of like what in Atlanta could be. You could try to do that. I also, I also say that just because you know put in the air of the kid going back home. We always do that in sports. Yeah. But this whole draft is going to be very interesting just because of the dominoes that are going to fall. And like you said, it's not like, oh, hey, we know the first three are in lock. Like, we don't know, like, Jaden Daniels could really surprise. Because here's the thing. For as good as college resume is, all these NFL people aren't going to look at stuff until what they see in the combine, what they see on interviews, and then what they see on pro day. So when right. you get those kind of mixtures going in, that's where we're going to find out really what's sure. going to happen with this whole thing. And we still have two and a half months to, you know, figure everything out crazy it's just crazy it's the never ending you know it's so funny because i'm looking at it and it you know so matt and i my co-host matt uh saint gene and i are going back and forth on pat's pulpit every two weeks every two mondays every second monday whatever every other week on monday we're releasing a mock draft so i released my first mock last week he did his two weeks before that so this week we have no mock coming out so next week the monday after the super bowl he'll have he'll have his second mock out and we'll do that until April, and then we'll do one every week. But I'm sitting there, and I'm like, I, you know, I'm ready to write another mock draft right now. And I'm like, I got like three weeks to like write another mock draft. I'm like, God dang, this, that's so long away. That's so far away. And then I'm like, well, wait a second. It's like February 4th. Like, it makes sense that it's that far away, right? So it's the 5th now. Or it's the 4th, right? Yeah, so – but it's like, you know, it's one of those things where, like, I'm looking at it sitting there saying, like, I'm ready to go already. The Super Bowl hasn't even happened yet. So – you know, the, those are the types of things for me that I'm like, all right, I get it, but I'm ready to go right this second. And that's a lot of Patriots fans forget that, like, we have free agency coming, which could change. And that's one of the things is that you get kind of that outlook as to what people are going to be looking at, right? We think the Patriots might take a quarterback at three. Well, if they sign Kirk Cousins, that's not going to happen, obviously, right? I don't think that's going to happen, but they could. Right. And then it's like, you know, okay, they want a wide receiver. What if they go out and sign, you know, T. Higgins and, and Michael Pittman Jr.? Well, they're not drafting a wide receiver at three either. So, you know, so those are the types of things where it starts to, they show their hand a little bit based on what they do in free agency. One other thing that I want to bring up, and I feel like this could happen, I'm not saying it will, but you could even get a dynamic where if you bring in the quarterback, say if you bring in Jaden Daniels, and then, or Drake may even say, and then see if there's a friend of theirs, if there's a guy out there they really want, because we saw Stroud do this with Tank Dell, and I know a lot of people were like, oh, why give Stroud this much power? And now we kind of understand why, because even though he tore his Achilles, Tank Dell was having a phenomenal rookie season for yes, the Houston he Texans. Mm-hmm. Um, I was going to go into you know the pretty 
blunt details of this, but I actually have a TikTok that I saw from, uh, it's basically a guy who goes on and says like teams dream wish list. So I just want to play it for you and kind of see if you either agree or disagree or what you would change about what this it's called. I think it's called the water boys podcast and the, basically what they think the Patriots should do this coming Ray free Mac agency. Jones signed T Higgins, Tarod Taylor and Justin Matabike, Putz, JC Jackson, Lawrence Guy and Daniel Equale restructured Juju Smith Schuster, Devonte Parker and Matthew Judon and re-signed Mike Onwenu, Kyle Duggar, Kendrick Bourne, Josh Uchi, Anthony Jennings, Miles Bryant, Trent Brown, Pharaoh Brown, Hunter Henry and Mac Wilson. Golly. That's a lot. So I Here's what I would say. I would say I have no interest in bringing Trent Brown back. Um, the Tyrod Taylor thing's fascinating. I, I don't think he could be your starting quarterback, but he could be a backup. I mean, if you're going to draft a guy like Jaden Daniels, it's not a terrible idea to have someone like Tyrod Taylor in front of him or even behind him to help him kind of grow. Um, Tyrod Taylor is, you know, is a good veteran quarterback, I think. So, I don't have a problem with that. Um, signing T. Higgins, again, the hard thing with Higgins is that I don't know if he's going to get wide receiver one money. I don't know if he's worth it. He might be worth it, but I don't know if he's worth it. Are we going after what we have right now, which is, you know, are we going after a high-end Devontae Parker? Is that what T. Higgins is, is high-end Devontae Parker? Does he not have a t- – like? I feel like I never see T. Higgins wide open. I feel like he's always making contested catches. And that's great that he's good at that. But he's not creating a ton of separation. And so I'm like, well, that doesn't really help anyone. You know, and so I'm I'm all set with guys that don't create separation. We, we've <laughs> gone through this before. I'm all set with that. Like, yeah. I, you know, the rest of the stuff I, I think is interesting, right? I'd like, you know, obviously people know how I feel about Penny Jennings. Love that guy, right? Uh, Duggar needs to come back. On winner needs to come back. You have to restructure Judon. So the thing that a lot of people don't realize about Judon, and and some people do, but some people don't, they His give him the Stephon. <laughs> what do you say? His contract's also up after the end of this coming season. It is, but they also they did they gave him the Stephon Gilmore treatment. And so what they did is they gave him extra money this year, but they took it out of his salary for next year. So he's making like six million dollars next year or something like that. It's it's not enough. He's not going to want to pay for, play for that. And so you're going to have to restructure his deal if you want to keep him around. He is at the end of his contract, but still, he's not he's getting paid almost nothing next year. And they did that intentionally to give him extra money this year, which is great. Yeah. But it's like you have to re, you have to you know renegotiate that contract. They were not willing to do that with Stephon Gilmore, which is why they traded Gilmore for like a sixth round pick in 2027 to the Panthers. For they got nothing back for Stephon Gilmore, which is ridiculous. But nevertheless. That same thing can happen to Matthew Judon if they're not willing to to go to the to go to the table with him. To me, you know, and we could who knows what Judon is on the field. To me, the way he was a leader in that locker room, the way he was around that team and still leading that team, even though he was hurt for the season, he, he is a guy you have to bring back just for culture and for leadership. You're probably you're losing that in Matthew Slater. You're almost definitely losing that in David Andrews. Like you need guys like that around. And so I'm bringing Judon back basically no matter what. Renegotiate his deal. Give him a three-year deal, you know, and kind of go from there. And and then at the end of that deal, whatever. If he's overpaid, he's overpaid. It just is what it is. You know, you, you overpay for those guys. And by the way, they have a crap ton of money. So who cares if he's a little yeah. overpaid by the end of it? 
that's the big thing with the, especially with the whole free agency thing this year. It's not like 2021, you know, where it's kind of like, oh, the, co- the cupboard's bare to an extent, but it's not completely bare where you can just go out and get people. They have a lot of in-house housekeeping to do. So that's why, our, and I want to say this with as I'm watching the Grammys and I see our owner on the screen. <laughs> like everyone, they're showing a bunch of celebrities and I'm just like, that's Robert Kraft. Um, sorry for the voice crack there. But yeah. um, yeah, that's just the thing. It's like, there's Robert Kraft. Um, yeah. But with this year, there's so much in-house you have to do. Like that video, like the main pillars I look at is the Hunter Henrys, the Kendrick Bournes. There's another, I want to say, underrated culture center within that locker yeah. room. Yeah, agreed. Um, and then who's the other one I look at? Like I like when I see Farrell Brown, I'm like, I don't know. But the one name that really sticks out there that is very underrated because of how his season went is Mac Wilson. Because the linebacking core, yeah. it's good, not great. And Mac's a guy that you let him run in open space, he's going to hit you like a Mac truck. Yeah, pun intended. I mean, look, I, I you know, I felt the same way. Mac Wilson, I'm like, why the hell are we bringing this guy back? Right? He stunk. And they found that role for him this year. And the Patriots have done that for years. They've developed, you know, you go back to Akeem Ayers and, you know, Rob Ninkovich, obviously Mike Grateful, but, you know, like, yeah, right. And there's a million guys they've done it with, right? And so you saw Mac Wilson take that step this year, which I think is great. So I'd like to have him back. One of the guys, and I forgot to mention this when you when you played that, but the Justin Matabike was interesting because – People are looking at it saying, well, the Patriots need so much help offensively, and they do. They need a, a ton of help offensively. they got to retool their entire offense. Yeah. But there's a there's a real chance, a real chance, that Chris Jones and Justin Matabike are both free agents this year. And I would just, like, I'm talking like a Santa sack full of money. Just give one of those guys, just fill a bag up with money and deliver it to their house. Because imagine... Just imagine for a second, Matthew Judon, Keon White, mm-hmm. Christian Barmore, and either Chris Jones or Justin Matabike. Pick you know, pick your poison there with whomever it is. Obviously, Jones, more talented, older. Matabike, up-and-coming riser, and really was phenomenal this year as well. So it's like, you know, the name recognition is higher for Chris Jones, but Matabike, I think, deserves to be in on that list as well. And so... One of the man getting one of those guys now, your front seven, you, know, you bring back Mac Wilson, you hopefully develop uh Marte Mapu a little bit more. And if Keon White can take a step forward, and then oh, by the way, you have Anthony Jennings still on the you know on the on the edge as well. It's a cheaper contract, though. No, 100%. No, he's not getting paid a ton because the thing about the thing about Jennings that I like is that he's a run stuffer. He's yeah. not really a pass rusher, he can rush the passer if he has to, but he's not really a great pass rusher. He's a run stuffer, but you need guys like that on your team. You have to have guys that can do that. He didn't just do it. He did it at an elite level this year. Um, you know, and he, he missed two games and he was like sixth in the NFL in tackles for loss. So like, you know, it's a pretty impressive year, really just stopping the run, but he's not going to get paid a ton because the guys that get paid are guys that can rush the passer. Right. And so, especially the edge guys, you know, that get paid. So, you know, I, I look, I just think that, that defensive front would be formidable. And then you go into the draft saying, we have a ton of flexibility. Sure, we have a need a corner that you're going to have to address at some point. You know, we don't need necessarily a number one guy, but you want to get something then, okay? And so, but I, I think for me, I look at it and think, okay, you do that. 
you build the front seven, and now you can focus basically all on the offense in your draft. And if a guy falls to you that you're in love with, great, you can draft him if you want to, but you don't have to focus on the defense at all, and you can just focus on the offense and getting elite-level talent on the offensive side of the football and look at it and say, we're going to have a top-10 defense in the league. All we got to do, and this is why, you know, Matt and I, <laughs> I had the Patriots winning 11 games this year. Matt had to get him winning 10. Because I thought, if they could get a well, – yeah, they obviously won four. I was a little bit – it was a little far off. But, you know, my thing was that if they can get to a top 15, if they could get be offense number 15, they'd win 10 or 11 games. And yeah. it showed out that way. If they could have been offense number 15, I think if they were offense number 20, that they probably would have been close to 10 wins. And they just couldn't get anything going offensively. And so if you can continue to build that defense, there's been a ton of continuity over there. And so I'm hoping that it will be similar. I don't think it'll be as good, but I'm hoping it'll be similar to what it was last year. You could, you know, not that they're going to make the playoffs or anything like that, but you can make some noise next year with a mediocre offense. Play spoiler down the road, be that like seven to eight win team. And I know a lot of people say that now to where it's like, oh, look at how, like, look at how far Patriot fans have come. And I'm more like, yeah, we know once Tom left and now that Bill's gone, which we're going to get to. um, It's this matter of just not basically being that sense of like NFL relevancy to where it's like, yeah, we now get what everyone else was feeling for all those years we were on top. And obviously now there's a new team on top, which again, that's what it's going to end the show. But um, it's just be realistic. Like as long as they have a team that can give me hope every Sunday that they're in the game or they can win, that's, you know, what I kind of, I've kind of been asking for ever since the 2020 season. It's just one of those things where you want to go up there and kind of see it. One other point I want to make on Mac Wilson, though, quickly before we pivot, yeah, is a few weeks ago, myself, McGarvin, were talking, and we also had New England reporter Sophie Weller from A to Z Sports on, who, by the way, will be on with me tomorrow night. Um, and her thing was that she's with great. the new coaching hire, yeah, she's a fantastic reporter, um, she was basically telling us how Trent Brown and Mac Wilson have been two of the bigger social media candidates for promoting Mayo. So I feel like they're the kind of guys to where they see the coach that they want to play for and they'll take the discount. Now with Trent Brown, like I said, I think it's a coin flip to whether he stays or goes. I think it just depends on how much he'd want to stay for. But if there's another team that throws a sack of money at him for reasons beknownst to me, then I think he's out the door. That's just the point I wanted to make about that. I agree with you on that. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. By the way, speaking of the Grammys, did you see uh, T-Swift? I did. Uh, I saw her win, and as I also saw a new album coming out in April. Which, and after because after her flight schedule, like for the next few weeks, again they keep showing like, Robert Kraft like right behind Beyonce. Yeah. This, this man is everywhere. Yeah. Um, which, yeah, like I'm pretty sure he's at their table. Which is he might be. It wouldn't surprise me. He's buddies with all those, you know, Meek Mill and those people. And so he's gotten close with a lot of the rappers. um, And so it wouldn't surprise me if he was sitting with Jay-Z. It's like one of those things with the rappers. It's like the Sesame Street song. One of these things just doesn't belong here. It's the old man in the corner. Speaking of old man, um, obviously today the Boston Globe, Bill Belichick took out a full page ad to thank the fans. Mm -hmm. Some people have asked me about it because, like, not the the, the ads, but just everything in general. It's where some people look at it as a sense of, Oh, but why would you let him go? Or oh, all this stuff. Where I feel like people right. outside the organization look at it from both standpoints. Where it was like all season long, oh, he's terrible, he's this. But then when you let him go, it says, why'd you let him go? But right. at the end of the day, we knew it's what was best for the organization. I remember as soon as I woke up on that Thursday and I saw that joint press conference thing, 
clicked in my mind immediately. I was just like, well, here we go. And what they did was I, I like, look, you interviewed the man that's behind the documentary we get to see in less than two weeks. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm going to say this right now before I let you talk. I'm going to urge all, and I've read, because I say this too, because I've read the book. Yeah. If you are a fan of this team, or if you want to know the true inner workings, even if you're a rival, I'm looking at people who Bills Mafia and Dolphins and Jets fans specifically. If you want to know the true inner workings of what went down for 20 years, please watch the documentary on February 16th, because I think unlike the Gators one from August, we're going to get a lot. I honestly think, I still have to listen to your interview with the, producer from the dynasty but i honestly think yeah. we're gonna get we're gonna i think it's gonna be like everything's just Noel's bar it's it is it was un, it was phenomenal and i was so i asked him no i have i've watched the whole thing yeah it's incredible um and so they gave me an advanced copy uh which is pretty dope i had to like sign in it's crazy i had to sign into the this thing it was like four steps to sign in and then there was a watermark of my name on it as I was watching it. So then that way, if I like screen recorded or do something like that and I put it out, then everyone can see who, who did it. Right. So come knocking at your door. Exactly. Right. Exactly. So, um, but it was fantastic. It was fantastic. And I, and I will say I, one of the questions I asked him was, you know, are you surprised just how honest and forthcoming Robert Kraft was Robert Kraft was incredibly forthcoming and incredibly honest. And I, I just thought that that was, that was something that I wasn't necessarily expecting. Um, they dive, they have almost a full episode um, on Darren Hernandez stuff. And they have, you know, they, he gets into the flake. And one thing I said to him was that I think, I think they handled the flake and, and Spygate correctly because Patriots fans are going to be pissed when they're watching it with how it's portrayed, but then non-Patriots fans are also going to be pissed about how it was portrayed. So, <laughs> so it's like, he found that perfect balance of like, yeah, you w- we want to talk about it, but like, let's, let's be serious here. Like, this is really what it was. It's not, you know, so it's just, that's, it's really interesting. And so it, it was incredibly well done. Um, but you do get a chance to really see kind of the back here's what happened for, you know, 25 years or whatever. And, uh, you know, it really, yeah, it's interesting. And and they make a lot of parallels that put this way. There's a lot of things that I learned that I didn't know. And there's a lot of connections that were made that I was like, Oh, I guess I hadn't really thought about that before. And I I guess that that makes sense that that would have, you know, changed his opinion on this or whatever. So, um, it is, it is well worth your time. If you're not paying the six dollars a month or whatever whatever it is for apple plus do it and then you know even so i think what they're doing is they're doing it over five weeks they're doing like two episodes a week for five weeks um but wait until week two or three and then they usually will give you like a like a month free trial or something like that or even a two-week free trial and then you know and you can just binge it all at one at one time so um but it's well it is well worth your time um and it, like I say, I learned – I mean, I've been following the Patriots forever. I've had season tickets since the year 2000, which is when it starts. And I learned things that I didn't know either. So, um, so yeah. So, it's 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 well worth your time. And, and I think that that's really, for me, like, it's the inner workings, like you said, that that really kind of set it apart from other things. Okay. So, I'm, I'm, there's three things I'm glad about there. One, that you didn't spoil anything that we kind of know, like, Can't the obvious that. things of what they would go into. 
Two, uh, a little disappointed on the fact that it's not all released at once. I thought for sure it'd be like yeah. a 10 episode binge, and I was fully prepared to do that. Um, with the, well, actually, fun fact, Pat's one of the only podcast people to have met my fiance. So yep. um, to binge it with her, her and I, because I fully had that plan for February 16th. <sighs> and it's pretty much just kind of that like sense of going into now where I know I'm going to, I feel like I'm going to be happy about it. Yeah, but also too, guys. Here on the podcast, we are going to be deep, um, break kind of doing. A, I have something that works right now. We'll kind of break down episode by episode, like once they come out. But now that I know, okay. hey, it's over here. We don't have to do it all at once. Uh, so it's going to be exciting. Yeah. But anyway, um, we didn't talk about it too too much. But the uh, just a quick little stint. I want to because we have a lot to talk about still. Yeah. Bill Belichick. Do you stand on it where I stand on it, or is it just a, like because re- I've seen a lot of weird people. Like I had the. I had to mute some guy on Twitter. I think his name was like Patrick Pass or something like that, where yeah. a lot of the anti-craft pro-Belichick people were coming out of the woodwork the second all this stuff happened. Well, so there's there's two parts of it, right? There's two parts of it. There are people that are anti-craft and pro-Belichick. There are people that are pro-craft and anti-Belichick. There are people that are pro-Brady and anti-Belichick. There are people that are anti... There's really no one that's anti-Brady and pro-Belichick, but... But what's happened is that a lot of people have a very short memory, right? And so they say things like, Bill Belichick's a terrible GM. Bill Belichick's a terrible coach. It was all Brady. It was none about – and that type of stuff infuriates me, which is why I wanted Belichick to get a job this year and win because, yes – And that's it. And look, look, the GM skills, there's there's no debate. The GM skills have suffered in the last few years. Absolutely. That is absolutely true, right? And so, you know, supposedly the word was that, you know, Belichick went into the 2022 draft saying we're drafting Cole Strange in the first round. That's it. And so, like, that's obviously stupid, right? We we understand that. There was no reason to trade Shaq Mason away. There was no reason to let Ted Karras walk for a medium-level salary, when you could have signed one of those guys and then drafted someone else in the first round, there's no reason to do that. Right. And so I understand the frustration from people. Now, look, I I will say I like Trent McDuffie a lot. He's a very good player for the chiefs, but if you draft Trent McDuffie there, you don't draft Marcus Jones at 85, who I love. And you don't draft Christian Gonzalez at 17 the next year. Yep. That's right. And you don't draft Christian Gonzalez at 17 the next year. So You know, would I rather have Trent McDuffie and nobody else? Or would I rather have, you know, and maybe some, maybe, you know, maybe would have tried someone else later or whatever, but I would have rather have Marcus Jones and Christian Gonzalez. Now, both those guys were hurt this year. And so maybe that's an ongoing issue that we're going to have with both those guys. And I don't know the answer. I don't know that for a fact, right? But theoretically, on paper, I'd rather have Marcus Jones and Christian Gonzalez, right? And so whatever, we can go back and forth, but like it becomes one of those issues where it's like, yeah, okay. He definitely struggled at the end of his career. Then again, someone somebody released it the other day and said, you know, since the year 2000, the Patriots have the most players that they've drafted that have become all pros. First team all pros. Now, that's not total. That's not total all pros. That is players. The Patriots have had 17 players that they have drafted since the year 2000 become all pro players. And look, there'll be people like, well, some of them are like Matthew Slater and Gunnar. I don't care. I don't care who they are, because if it was easy to get a special teams guy as a as a uh, as a Pro Bowler or as an All Pro, then everyone would do it. But they don't. 
And yeah. so that's the thing for me is like, you know, they still do a pretty good job drafting. Now, Belichick has missed on receivers. Absolutely. He's missed on receivers. He's missed on corners in the past, right? And, you know, I think in the last few years in general, he's had a hard time. Last year seems to be a very good draft. 2022, not so much. 2021, uh, you know, it's still up for debate in 2021. We'll see. Ramondre Stevenson looks to be a, a solid back. But then you get into some of the other guys, and you're like, okay, Mac Jones didn't really work out. And obviously, Tyquan Thornton, you know, was 2022. But still, it's like, you know, you start looking at it and saying, okay, the, there's been a lot of misses too, right? So, you know, fine. But I, look, here's here's the bottom line. Bill Belichick, in my opinion, is the greatest coach of all time and the greatest GM of all time. And what I have, what I really don't like, what I really don't like about Kraft that I've seen from him is that they've backtracked on some stuff. Well, you know, Bill wasn't fully in charge until 05. Yeah, just so we know. Just so we Well, wait a second. We've been told that Bill was in charge the whole time. And now all of a sudden you're trying to take that away from him? You're trying to take that unbelievable offseason, arguably the greatest offseason in the history of football in 2001, with all of the free agents that they signed. They drafted Matt Light. They drafted Richard Seymour. They dra- Incredible. It's one of the best offseasons ever. And yeah. and you, what, are you taking that away from him now? And you're saying, well, it wasn't all him. It's like, come on. Like the, you know, It just felt very disingenuous from Kraft that like on his way out, he's like, oh, by the way, all that great stuff that happened wasn't all built. Like, it's not, let's not give him credit for everything. And that just kind of, that rubbed me the wrong way. I think it's more just, because it's obviously different with Tom, where that was like a father-son relationship. This right. is the true, you know how everyone says divorce. This is the true yeah. ugly divorce that, yes. give it like three years where they'll, like, he'll, Bill will get his roses. We all know he's going to get a red jacket. He'll get a gold jacket. He'll probably get a bronze statue maybe somewhere near the new big lighthouse and all that fun stuff. Um, yeah. I was just – so that's what everything there reminded me of. But even still, too, and the fact that he let teammates lawyer Malloy walk because he had faith in Rodney Harrison, just little things like that to where, you know, it makes – it's not about how you make no, – it's not about how, what, what ingredients make the cake as long as the cake is made and it tastes good. And guess what? The, the cake that was made won another five Super Bowls after 2001. Yes. Um, this – I was going to say, too, the only thing I find weird with the whole craft, like, I don't have a problem. Like, the pittiness doesn't really bother me to an extent. Like, it doesn't affect my life. It's more or less the people that are coming out of the woodwork now saying that, oh, you know, Jonathan Kraft one day is going to take over this team. And he's going to ruin it. He's going to run into the ground. I'm just like, where does all this Jonathan, all of a sudden Jonathan Kraft's this prevalent figure, you know, where it's like the Greg Bedards or the Tom Kernans of the world where now all of a sudden – instead of having Robert Kraft as their puppet, it's Jonathan Crafter. Instead of like, oh, these guys do this, it's just that. It's like, I feel like a lot of these people just can't get a grip on things, so they're always trying to find someone new to blame when it comes to the Patriots organization. Yeah. Yeah, well, you're right. And that's, look, Robert Kraft's playing PR, right? He's playing PR. And, and and, And we all knew he would do that. But, you know, and you talk about someone James. Right. But you talk about someone to blame. And this is this is really the thing. Kraft's hit behind Belichick this whole time. Right? He's always said the checkbooks are open. Yeah. The checkbooks are open for Robert Kraft. For for Bill Belichick, I'm sorry. Checkbooks are open. So 
He could spend whatever he wants to spend. Well, now we're going to really get to know. We're really going to find out who controls, who makes that final decision. Did Bill Belichick want to spend more money on guys and couldn't because of Robert Kraft? Did he have to? Did he have to kind of, uh, you know, because everyone always gave them crap for the way that things were written and the way that incentives were given. And so, was that Belichick playing with numbers because he needed to get under a certain threshold for Robert Kraft? I don't. We don't know the answer to that question. We're going to find out in the next few years. He can't hide behind Belichick anymore. He can't scapegoat Belichick for that. So those are the things for me where it's like, okay, that and that's okay. That's fine. But there's a reason that Belichick has done that forever. You have not unlimited money, obviously, but you have a lot of money in the NFL. You can pretty much spend on it whatever you want to spend it on. There's a reason that he you know, has manipulated it and gone with lower-end guys. There was a reason for that, and the reason is because they don't, they don't want to spend the money. They don't. And Robert Kraft can, can blame Belichick and say he didn't want to spend the money. But again, now Belichick's gone. He can't hide behind him. So that that's that's kind of where I stand, and I'm excited to kind of see where that goes from there. I am too. I'm very excited to see where everything goes from here. Um, obviously, we're both. I believe I'm excited for Dry Mayo. I believe you are too. Yeah. The one thing I'm excited about is special teams. I want to wait and see because I know the Rams special teams wasn't ideal this year. Defensive coordinator. I've seen some people from outside of the Patriots fan base being like, "Oh, it's just same old Patriots." No, 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 no. Demarcus Covington is a well-deserved promotion from within. The one where I'm most excited to see is what Alex Van Pelt does. And also, too, they bring in Ben McAdoo. I know a lot of people go, oh, but Ben McAdoo is a bad head coach. Just because you're a bad head coach doesn't mean you know football. It just means that, look, we see it in every sport, mainly football and hockey, to an extent basketball, but not so much, where you see these guys who get head coaching opportunities, doesn't work out, and they kind of quietly go away and do their thing. You want a prevalent example of a guy who didn't work as a head coach, but he's been a phenomenal coordinator? Uh, look at the Kansas City Chiefs defensive coordinator, Steve Spagnuolo, who very well could be on his way to winning his fourth Super Bowl next Sunday mm-hmm. night. So just something I wanted to point out there. Just if you want to give your thoughts to with everything, Mayo, blanking on the special teams coordinator's name, but Van Pelt and Covington, I like the way the staff's set up right now. I agree. Yeah, Jeremy Springer. I always think of Jeremy him as Springer, Jerry Springer. Uh, that's, <laughs> only reason I, that's the only way I remember it. But yeah, but yeah, Jeremy Springer, we'll see, we'll see kind of how that works. I mean, I thought it was crappy last year, so like – I, I feel like it'll be an improvement, kind of whatever it is. I feel like we'll be an yeah. improvement this year. Um, but, you know, so look. Care about that. I got court. That's all I know. I don't care about it. Yeah, right. And, that's, and, and look, and, and this is, you know, I'm not 100% sure where we're going with it. I think what we needed was a reset on offense. Yeah. Right? We didn't need Josh McDaniels back. I didn't want the same Perkins Earhart offense. I just I didn't want it. And and part of the reason was, is that you're you're playing, in my opinion, you're playing on on you know, max hard level, right? On you're playing on all Madden level, when you could be playing on pro, and it's just fine, right? And I think you you you're asking the receivers to know everything, and you don't need the receivers to know everything. And so, no. look, I I think that you know. We'll see how Alex Van Pelt does. He's never really called plays before. And so people are like, oh, he's a... Zach Robinson never really called plays before. I mean, all these guys that we wanted, Nick K was never called plays before. So all these guys that were like, oh, we want to, they've never called plays before either. So it's not like, it's not as though we're getting, you know, the options were 
you know, someone that's going to be different and an experienced play caller, there was no guys like that available, right? And so Van Pelt's a little bit older than some of the guys that that you had an opportunity at, but he's never really had this chance to be the guy as the offensive coordinator calling plays. He's the offensive coordinator in, in, in Cleveland, but he wasn't calling plays. Mm-hmm. And so now yeah, he has yeah. the opportunity to do both, right? And I think that that's it's a good opportunity for him. You bring McAdoo in as kind of an offensive consultant, which, again, Ben McAdoo's not a sexy name. He's not a guy that I'm super excited about. No. But he's a good coach, and I think that he's – if he's just taking the offensive side of the football and he's not even your offensive coordinator, he's just kind of there to help, I think that's not a bad thing, right? And so you get a guy that has experience as being an offensive coordinator. Sure, you get a guy with, with head coaching experience as well that can help out with your OC, and I think that there's nothing wrong with that. Um, and, and again, like I said, you needed a full reset. A full reset you needed, and that's what they got defensively. You didn't want a full reset, right? You wanted to kind of keep the status quo, and I think it makes sense to promote Demarcus Covington. He's a guy that a lot of people like. He's well respected. He was, uh, I think, the head coach of one of the Senior Bowl teams last year, right? So, like, yeah, he's a guy that is respected in the league. He's an up and coming guy. He maybe he's your DC for a few years, and then next thing you know, he's a head coach somewhere else, and you're getting a third round pick because he, you know. It becomes a head coach somewhere else. I think that would be great. And and if he does if he does a good job as defensive coordinator, I wouldn't be surprised if that was in his future. Um, but again, it's culture guys. And I think that's one of the reasons they loved Van Pelt is because everything you hear about Van Pelt is that is culture, culture, culture. You hear all you hear that word all the time related to him. And that's what Mayo's trying to build is that culture, is that you know, rapport with the players. And, and that's Covington was huge on that. And Van Pelt, from it, from the sounds of it, is huge on that as well. And I think that that's, you know, if that's the only thing we get out of this year, then it is what it is. And look, if we win four games again next year, which I don't think they will, no. but if you win four games again next year, so be it. But if you start to see your young players playing better, if you get a young quarterback and he starts to progress as the year goes along, if you get, you know, hopefully you get a young wide receiver or two and they progress – those are the things you're looking for, right? And so, and look, will all the hires be a slam dunk? Probably not, but you never know. Um, you know, and, and and at the very least, I like that they're doing something different, right? Al yes. Van Pelt was a guy that came out of nowhere. Nobody expected him. He wasn't a hot commodity. He might be a good offensive quarter. We just don't know that yet. And so I like the fact that they went with guys that they're confident with. And, you know, we'll just see how the pieces land from there. The way I also look at too with everything, especially in division right now, is they're in a very the division is in a very peculiar spot. We don't know what the Jets are going to be, and the Dolphins and the Bills, unless something changes, they're very status quo at the moment. To where it's like you're going to be good in the regular season, but look, I would rather be in our position than where Buffalo is right now. And everyone's going to go, oh, but the Bills are this and this. Yeah, but the Bills have a wide receiver, one who doesn't show up when the light shine brightest. And for three years in a row, you've got knocked out in the divisional round twice to Kansas City. So with a team like New England, it's kind of like possibilities are endless. Um, I was thinking about the wide receiver thing because there's two names in free agency. Obviously, T. Higgins is like a thing there. But like if we don't get him, it's not going to be the end of the world. Two na- There's one na- two names I want to give you. One name because I really like the guy, and that's Michael Pittman Jr. Another one is a name... It's not sexy. It's not flashy. He had a really bad moment towards the end of the season this year. Darnell Mooney. Just to come in to kind of be 
what we thought Taekwon was going to be. You know, you put him in the X, you put him in that like route runner position to where he's not always going to be flashy, but he's a guy that, you know what, hey, he's a little bit cheaper, but he can be effective when you need him to be. Yeah, I don't, I don't hate the idea of Mooney if he's, you know, if he's like far down your depth chart. I, I freaking love Michael Pittman. I've loved that man for multiple Montez, years. He's fantastic. He's so much fun. Yeah. Um, and he's a really good player. And so I, I think the Colts would be stupid to let him walk. You have a second year quarterback. You need to keep that guy. But if he somehow becomes available, I think the Patriots need to do everything they can to bring that guy in. I would prefer him over T. Higgins, in my opinion. Um, but again, you know, I wouldn't hate Mooney as as a depth guy. You know, he's a depth piece for you as, as your, you know, fourth receiver or something like that. You know, Kendrick Bourne said that he wants to come back to the Patriots. I think they'd be dumb to let him walk. I think he's a culture guy. Like I think you pointed that out, that he's a culture guy. Like, you know, I, I want Kendrick Bourne back on this team. And so... If you're if you're rolling out Pittman, KB, Pop Douglas, mm-hmm. and you know even if it's Mooney or whatever, you know, and then Juju is somewhere in there, and maybe Devontae Parker, I think you should let him go. But nevertheless, Wilson, right? You know, yeah. Well, yeah, you never know. So there's a guy that I like, uh, my uh, well, Abakonki too, of course. But there's a guy that I I, I have a uh, as you may know, I do a, I do a my guy this year every year. One a few years ago, Jones. it was this guy, Marcus Nick Jones. Bolton, very prevalent player. Nick Bolton, yes, love Nick Bolton. And then last year was Emmanuel Forbes. And Forbes didn't have a great year in Washington, but did get drafted 16th overall. So um, this guy won't get won't get drafted 16th overall. But I am very excited. Um, I, I'm not gonna. I, I gotta tease it a little bit. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna tell you the name just yet. But uh, it's a name you've heard, and I will tell you, Keegan uh, freaking loves this guy. So. Um, so I was back and forth between like two or three different guys and I was talking to Keegan and, and he kind of swayed me in that direction. And so, uh, so anyways, but I do have a wide receiver that I love this year that, that I'm hoping they draft, uh, you know, in that late second round, maybe even early third, depending on where he goes. But, but anyways, but I think, you know, you roll that out with a rookie in there somewhere and all of a sudden your wide receiver course pretty good. You know, like you get that guy. And the, the biggest thing for me is that what the Patriots have had for multiple years, they've had the twos, they haven't had the one, right? Even when you had Jacoby Myers as your number one wide receiver, that's stupid. Jacoby Myers goes to goes to uh, Vegas, and he's great. Why? Because he has Devontae Adams on the other side. Yeah. If he's the number two wide receiver, you're doing good, right? When Kendrick Bourne's your two or three, you're doing really good with that, right? If KB's your wide receiver one, you're in trouble. If Devontae Parker's your wide receiver one, you're in trouble, you know? But if he's your wide receiver two or wide receiver three – you can deal with that, right? And that's and that's the situation they've been in. And so hopefully they can get that legit stud wide receiver one and then build it out from there. That's that's just it. I was looking up quickly just through PFF, by the way. Yeah. Um, cap numbers. So okay. my Pittman, like what I said when I said a podcast favorite receiver, because ever since 2020, me and my friends have come on here. We always have all loved Michael Pittman. We always call him podcast favorite receiver. Um, the... Unfortunate situation is that the Colts are behind the Patriots for cap space. It's this one's weird. It's showing uh, this was updated January twenty second, but it's showing uh, Commanders, Titans, Texans, Patriots, Colts as the uh, top five for cap. I don't know where the, the Bears kind of fell down there, but yep. the Colts at sixty two million. The other 
noteworthy thing of the Pats this year is they only have seven million in dead money, which is not terrible. The Miami Dolphins have twenty-four million dollars in. Actually, that's the Chargers. The Chargers have twenty-four million in dead space and are forty-five over. And the Dolphins are fifty-one <laughs> over the cap and have ten million dollars in dead space with probably some people to cut. So that's where I get the whole Bills because the Bills too, their cap situation is not pretty, but. I'm sure I'll talk to Greg sometime between now and free agency, and he'll do numbers and math, and everything will go up in the air that way. Yeah. Um, the wide receiver core for this team, like, look, even tight end, too. Like, I don't want them to go out and spend money in free agency because they have uh, – I, I think Hunter Henry can be a cheap in-house option. Like, you know, yeah. like, you keep he him – should be back next year. Yeah. Uh, Gusecki, I don't think, will be back. No. I know he, he'll say all those things like, oh, you know, I'll be back. Not, I, I just don't – I don't see a world he comes back. And Farrell is only – I can be like if he signs for like, you know, a 2 to $3 million deal. Like, Yeah, he, he, yeah he's not he getting paid a lot of money from anyone, no. I don't think. You know, but I, I think you keep him around. Why not, you know? Yeah. Um, Where are we going to go next? Where are we going to go next? We've got a lot to talk about. Ultimately, with the quarterback situation, if you had to pick your dream quarterback room, what would it be for 2024? Because I, before you, do you want me to do mine first or do you want me to go sure. after you? Yeah, do it. My ideal one is a rookie you draft, two former members, of, one of the two mem- former members of the Wolf Pack. I know everyone's going, oh, you're crazy. Both guys are going to come back on veteran minimum deals. Yep. You can get both on cheap deals. And for QB3, I think you keep Zappy. I think you keep Bailey Zappy as QB3 because that's what he is. And for the one game where we play the Cincinnati Bengals, you let him go and they win the game miraculously because for some reason when he plays the AFC North, Bailey Zappy turns into Joe Montana. It's just, yeah. look at me, look at the stats. Pat was at the game this year where it happened. It's quite true. It's quite true. Yeah, he was unbelievable that first half. Uh, looked terrible in the second half, but he had done yeah. enough in the first half that it didn't matter. Um, yeah, Jacoby Brissett's on my list, 100%. I want, I want Jacoby back. Um, I think he's a great wide receiver, great QB two. I think he's a leader. The guy guys love him. He, you know, he's just he's a guy you want around. And so to me, Jacoby Brissett's back. Uh, I hope at least. And Van Pelt's worked with him before, and so it makes sense that he would come back. Um, and so I love Brissett. I love the idea of drafting a guy. And look, if that guy doesn't come at three, maybe it's Michael Panics in the second round. Maybe it's Michael Panics at the end of the first round. Maybe it's Spencer Rattler in the third round. You know what I mean? Like, so give me a guy. Maybe it's Joe Milton in the fourth or fifth round. I I, I don't love he Joe Milton. Have a good senior bowl. Um, no, it, you know what's funny is about Joe Milton is that he practices really well. He's really good in practice. And then he gets out in the game and he's terrible. And this same thing I think happened to Mac Jones, where like Mac Jones is good in practice and knows what he's doing. Then once the live bullets are flying, he's like, oh my God. You know what I mean? Like, I can't do that. And so you know, it's like it's like you know, I'm playing Call of Duty, which I don't play Call of Duty, but some kid playing Call of Duty, and he's great at it, and then you stick him in real warfare. It's like, well, he's probably not going to do that well, right? And, and so, like, and so that's the thing. Like, it, it's obviously very, very different, but like in practice, you're not getting hit. There's no real pressure in practice. You don't really have to worry about things in practice. Yeah. In the game, things are sped up. You're getting hit. There are guys at your ankles. There are guys at your feet. You got to worry about those things. And so, like, there's a million things flying through your head at once. Whereas in practice, it's not the case. And so, you know, I think that that's, that to me is who Joe Milton is. That's what I've heard from people at Tennessee. I, I tweeted out something that I wouldn't hate Joe Milton later. And I got a text from my buddy or DM from my buddy. He's like, dude, you, 
in no world do you want Joe Milton as your quarterback. He's a Tennessee fan, and he's like, you just you can't, you can't, don't what you don't want that guy. So, you know, and and I will trust him over me. I don't know what the hell I'm talking about. And so, um, you know, look, I think Rattler has some some high end talent. Will yeah. he ever reach that potential? I don't know. But in the third round, it's worth taking a chance. I think it's worth taking a chance if you get a wide receiver. Imagine they get a left tackle and a wide receiver in the first two rounds, pick up some extra, some extra draft capital, and draft Spencer Rattler at the end of the second or beginning of the third round. And now all of a sudden you got, you know, a quarterback with top-end talent that, you know, top-end potential, I guess I should say, a wide receiver that could potentially be a wide receiver one or a high-end wide receiver two. And a starting left tackle. I mean, like, what else do you want? You know, that that's just it. Like, because for look, for as much as Jaden Daniels is there, for as much as Drake May is there, there's only really two quarterbacks besides now Joe Milton that I've always been on my do not draft list. One is Bo Nix, yep. which Keegan got me on years ago when we thought Bo Nix was going to come out of school. Yeah. The other is JJ McCarthy. Now I know everyone's going to go, "Oh, we won a national champion. Oh, we did this." JJ McCarthy oh, is kind of that's displeased with you. <laughs> it's like Taysom Hill, but without the muscle power, in my opinion. Like unless he's on a team with like a very dominant offensive line, and you know he's got a horse running back, it's kind of like a Daniel Jones 2.0, in my opinion, of what it can be in the NFL. Well, look, here's my thing, right? And, and let's just be honest: they won the national championship. He threw ten times, and then we sit there and say, "Well, they didn't have any receivers." Well, Roman Wilson looks like a stud in, in the senior bowl. So what do you mean? Early you know, pick, probably. You know, and so and so that's the thing. Yes, he doesn't have Marvin Harrison Jr. on his team. Fine. But he's got decent enough players, right, that he can yeah. throw the ball a little bit. I mean, USC's got just as good wide receivers as, you know, as Michigan did. Right? Like, I mean, yeah. so that's I look at it and just say, like, all right, like, I get it. But it's not like he has a bunch of bums playing with him, you know? So, so – you know, I, I just a guy that you don't trust to throw the ball. I I don't know how I feel about that. Now, you want to tell me we can draft him in the third round, and you feel like okay, he's a leader and blah blah blah, whatever. You can talk me into it, I guess. But like, I still don't. I'm not excited about it, right? And I don't think anyone should be excited about it. And so, uh, and he's not going in the third round, by the way. He's going at like the end of the first. And I'm like, I got no, I have no interest in that at all, right? I draft. I'd rather draft Michael Penix. I don't really want Michael Penix, but I'd rather to, you know, if you tell me. I got to choose J.J. McCarthy or Michael Penix at pick 26, let's say. Pick straight up from, thir- from 34 to get up to 26. They're either going to draft Michael Penix or, or J.J. McCarthy, and those are the choices. You I'm taking Penix Michael Penix every time, right? And so, you know, I, we'll see how, where it goes. But I just, um, yeah, I'm with you on that. And Bo Nix, man, get the hell out of here, Bo Nix. I know, yeah, okay, play great and in, in play in the in the – season and 70% completion percentage and blah, blah, blah. I don't care. 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 Please don't draft Bo Nix. We've, we've, we've seen it before. Like we've, it was Keegan who literally tweeted this out where it's like Sam Darnold, Mitch Trubisky. It's going to be another one of those quarterbacks where you're going to take Bo Nix and then there's going to be buyer's remorse about it to where, you know, he's that second stringer probably for most of his career. Um, The one thing I'll say right now, because there's Joneses and I love to talk about both of these guys equally. Yeah. Look, we all know that Mac is on to greener pastures now where he'll probably be somewhere else next year, get a new start. I know there's people talking about the whole, oh, we make it a second chance. I'm just like, no, it's broken beyond repair. But I'd rather be in our sense. situation because 
Knicks and the Giants, for some reason, there's been a name that's been coming up, and I'd rather have a situation with the Patriots where you know you need a quarterback. And you want the Giants, you know you need a quarterback, but you paid the quarterback you need to get rid of so much money to where getting a quarterback just creates more dysfunction than what's already there. So if you're a team like the Giants, that's where a Joe Alt, um, I keep forgetting his name from Penn State because I don't Fashanu. want to. Fashanu. Fashanu or Malik Neighbors fits the bill for them. But that's not yeah. – this isn't a Giants podcast. This is mainly no, Patriots right. But I'm, I'm with you, though. I agree with you on that. And the, yeah. the Giants made the mistake of paying Daniel Jones when he made the playoffs. So it didn't make any sense to do that. And so they did. They gave him this massive contract, and they're regretting it. Yep. Um, the, there's two players that are going to be available because there's two players available day two, day three that I'm really eyeing at the moment. And one has been Jalen McMillan from Washington, the wide receiver. Okay. Yep. The other one's come up on my radar because of a senior bowl, but Max Melton from Rutgers, the safety. Because, okay. you know, Patriots and Rutgers, there's a, there's a pretty good connection there. You can kind of yeah. dot the I's and cross the T's on that one. Um, so it's players like that, or even to like the lad McConkey, that's the, you know, the, the luxury pick. Like, oh, we'd love to have him, but I don't think we'll get him. And then the other one is the tight end from Kansas State. Yes, Ben Sinnott. Ben Sinnott, that's he it. Was yes. on, he was in my uh, mock draft last week. Ooh, because, like, yeah. he'll be there on day three, and we've seen, like, and I, I just don't want people, like, you say if they draft him, everyone's going to go, oh, they got Sam Laporta. And I'm like, look, they kind of get, like, like Sam Laporta's kind of like getting lightning in a bottle. This is more like a Dawson Knox to where, like, your rookie year, they're not going to see much. But second year, if, you know, quarterback and him are clicking, it's going to be that, hey, we got something here. Or kind of like even what we saw with Dalton Kincaid where there's the baby steps of, you can develop this player in the right direction. He's going to be a great asset for you for years to come. Yeah. No, and that's – yeah, I, I like Sinnott a lot. He kind of is that – He he's not – he's different. He's he's a different kind of guy than than those guys. Um, but he does definitely have some high-end traits, I think. Yep. You are banking a little bit of just on the athleticism. You haven't seen a ton of it in college. You saw some of it in college, but not a ton of it in college. Casey doesn't really use him like that. Um, but – you know, I, I do like him quite a bit. Like I said, I had him in my, in my latest mock draft, and I think he has the potential to develop into a guy like that. He's not going to be Sam LaPorta year one making the Pro Bowl, right? But, like, but you know, he has potential to develop into a guy like a George Kittle. Not as good as George Kittle, but a guy like that. He's a very good blocker, and he can go out and catch the ball. To me, those are the types of guys you want on your team because first year he can block. And then you say, okay, well, you, you're going to block, and then you're going to go and get some passes too, you know. And so, and then you kind of mix it up as you go. So, I like Senate a lot. Um, I think he's a really good target in that, you know, early day three range, um, you know, and, and see see if you can build something there. One player I want to ask you about before we head out: if you're the Patriots, do you bring back Zeke or do you let him walk? Well, it's a good question. I mean. <sighs> I, I wouldn't have a problem with Zeke coming back. I don't know if he's going to want to come back. Um, you know, he may want to go somewhere that he's got a legitimate chance to be like on a good team with, you know, fighting for a playoff spot and a championship and so on and so forth. But I think he was a great guy in the locker room. I liked Zeke a lot. I think he busted his ass this year. Uh, and he showed that he's got a little bit of, he's got a little bit of juice left. And so I wouldn't be surprised if he got a decent contract from, you know, a team that is competing for a championship. Right. And so, I don't know if it'll be Buffalo, but like a place like Buffalo would be an interesting spot for him where he can be kind of that number two guy to your, you know, 
your number one running back. And you could say, okay, you know, I feel good about what he can do in this, in this type of offense, running the ball. And by the way, he, he really, really did a nice job catching the ball into the backfield too, which yeah. he's always been good at. But, you know, I think he still, he showed that he's got some of those skills left. And so I think from the Patriots, I'd be interested in bringing him back at the right price. But I think for him, he probably wants to go somewhere where he has a legitimate chance to win something. All right, one more I got for you before we ask uh, the ultimate question. Top tight end free agent target if you had to pick one. It's not really a ton of good ones, are there? I mean, Hunter Henry, I think you you want to bring back. Um, who else is even available? Is there Dalton anyone Schultz. out there? Yeah, Dalton Schultz, maybe. Schultz, maybe. Um, I think you still will handle it. Yeah, who was it that I was um, – Shoot, there's someone else available, wasn't there? Isn't there someone else um, other than Dalton Schultz? I feel like there was another guy because I was like, oh, that guy would be fun here. And I forget who the hell it was, man. Google's, uh, Google's going to think I'm weird because I'm typing in top free, like 24 free agents. Uh, okay, it's giving me a bunch of – oh, there we go, tight ends from PFF. Uh, Dalton Schultz, uh, Hunter Henry's number two. Yeah. Noah, Noah Fant, Gerald Everett. Yeah, okay, this is not that good of a class out of. Yeah, Trump no, it man, isn't. Austin Hooper. Yeah, Trotman. Yeah. Yeah. Yikes. Tight ends yeah, no, there's no, there's no one really out there. So, so I guess it's probably Schultz. Maybe I was thinking of a of a uh, of a guy in the draft, but yeah, I think I wouldn't I wouldn't hate Schultz, but like. How much of an upgrade over Henry is Schultz? Uh, with a good team, he is. But, like, we've seen it so far to where if he doesn't have a good quarterback behind him, he kind of goes right. away quietly. But if he has talent around him, like we saw this year with Stroud, he played great. Or the years when Dak was perfectly healthy, he played great as well. I'm just saying it just to put the Dalton Schultz vibes out into the universe. If for some reason they can't resign Hunter Henry. Yeah. But, like I said, I think he's one of those guys that he'll uh, stay at slowly become a somewhat of a New England lifer. And I say somewhat just because obviously he didn't play his whole career. Of course, yeah. I, you know what? The thing about Hunter Henry is it's going to take more money to bring in Dalton Schultz than Hunter Henry. So it's going to be a situation where if that's the case, it's going to be a situation where, you know, Henry just doesn't want to come back. And then you got to throw a bag at, you know, at Dalton Schultz. And it's like that to me is that's that's a bad If Hunter Henry doesn't want to come back, that's a bad sign to me. Um, you know, and of course he may want to go somewhere else that has a better quarterback, but like, where are you going to go? That's already got a good quarterback that doesn't have a tight end. Right. I don't really know the answer to that question. I mean, he could go to Seattle where Fant is leaving, but like, is Geno Smith really a great quarterback? You know what I mean? Like, I, I don't know. I don't know where he's going to go that has a legitimately good quarterback right now. Um, and so why not just stay here and be part of the rebuild? Um, if he likes it here, which it kind of seems like he likes it here. So, you know, we'll see. Last one before we go. Obviously, six days away from yep. the big game, Super Bowl 58. I have to ask. I'm doing four podcasts this week, and everyone's giving theirs. Guys, Thursday night, you'll hear me. Last episode before the Super Bowl, that's when I'm giving mine out. But Pat Lane, Sunday night, San Francisco 49ers, Kansas City Chiefs. Do we see back-to-back -back for the first time in almost 20 years, 19 years to be exact? Or do we see San Francisco win their first championship in almost 30 years? Kansas City's winning. It's not even, it's not even going to be, a, in my opinion, it's not even going to be a competition. Now, I will tell you, I will tell you, I have, I have a very, I have a very strong strategy here. Mm -hmm. It's a very strong strategy. All of my predictions 
and all of my money are going on Kansas City. All of it. I'm not predicting. I'm not 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 in one spot. Am I predicting San Fran to win? I will shout it from the rooftops that Kansas City is going to win this game. I put I listen to me now. It doesn't seem like much. I put a ten dollar bet on the Kansas City money line. I don't ever bet more than like five bucks. I put a ten dollar bet on the Kansas City money line. I am so one hundred percent confident that Kansas City is going to win. But here's the thing, and here's here's the little twist here. I'm totally fine with being wrong. I'm totally fine with losing some money. I got no problem with that because I will be celebrating if Kansas City loses. So, so I'm I'm not getting in a situation where I'm putting all my hopes and dreams on 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 San Fran. Screw them, dude. Because I did the friggin' same thing with Baltimore last weekend. We're all about no. I'm not doing it. I don't, I'm not going to trust Kyle Shannon to win a game. Not going to do that. I'm not going to trust Brock Purdy versus yeah you know Patrick Mahomes. It's foolish. So instead. I'm going to pick Kansas City. I'm going to bet on Kansas City. I'm going to say Kansas City all week. I've said it for a full week. I'm going to say it for another full week. And then if San Fran wins, I'll be completely happy to be wrong. And old takes exposed can come from my ass and everything. And like, great. That's awesome. I'll lose as much money as I as you want because I'll just be happy that Kansas City didn't win. But I, I just, in general, I just look at it and think like, I just don't see how, I don't see how they don't win. I really don't. I just, I just feel like they're, they're not necessarily. A, they, they're a Patriots team. They're the Patriots. They are the new Patriots. There's, they had no business winning that AFC Championship game against against the Ravens. The Ravens just like forgot who they were and did something completely different, and they were stupid. And it's like the Bills should have beat them too, but they were dumb and forgot who they were and couldn't play. They couldn't get out of their own damn way. And the same thing's probably going to happen on Sunday with with San Fran, where they're going to make stupid mistakes. And Kansas City is just going to sit there and say, wow, oh, you're going to be dumb too? Okay, fine. We'll win. We won't make stupid mistakes, and we'll win the game. And so it's like that's what they've become, right, is that other teams crap their pants when they play them, and they end up, you know, making these dumb mistakes. And Kansas City just says, all right, well, hey, we've been here before. We know what we're doing. We're just not going to screw it up, and we'll win. And so I'm not I'm not putting myself through that again, picking Kansas City to win. And, you know, if they lose, great, but I don't see that happening. Do okay. So with Kansas City winning, yep. I have two more things for you, just because they're curious, and I know, I know. Look, I know. Look, everyone's time is precious, but these questions keep coming to me because I like asking yeah. them. The first, it's been rumored for a while, but do you think one of either Andy Reid or Travis Kelsey, this is their last game of their careers, and the other one, if you have to pick one player to truly be an X factor, and don't don't go out there going like, oh, you know, Travis Kelsey or like Patrick Mahomes, like you know a player that has a James White Super Bowl 51-esque performance because the Patriots yeah. fans out there, happy seventh anniversary to the greatest game in NFL yep. history. Yep. Uh, just wanted to ask that. Do you, like, who's a player that you – like if you had to throw a Pat Lane $5 special on to have a great game, who MVP would it be? Or like that. Yeah. Uh, so I will not – Peter Schrager is incredible. I don't know if you know this or not. Peter Schrager has picked the, the NFL champion the last five yeah. years. And so this year he picked – uh, the uh, the Chiefs over the 49ers, which is outrageous. He picked that at the beginning of the year. And he's got Chiefs and 49ers here. So he said last week that he thought it would be that Trent McDuffie would have a pick six. And so, look, he said Nick Bolton was going to have a phenomenal game last year. Was it last year that Nick Bolton had the had the fumble recovery for a touchdown, right? He said Nick Bolton was going to have a huge game last year. He had a huge game last year. I just – 
maybe he's got maybe he's got copies of the script. I don't know, right? <laughs> but like, I, I I'm gonna have to go with Trent McDuffie because you know what salt in the wound for Patriots fans to see a guy that they could have had at 22, would traded back to 29 with have a huge game in the Super Bowl. Um, you know, then, then again, the funny thing is that if they draft Trent McDuffie, they don't draft Christian Gonzalez, right? And so it's like. Yeah, that's fine, but then you also have like a legitimate shutdown corner. People are like, who cares? Doesn't matter. Okay, fine, or whatever, you know. So, but every, anyways, I think Trent McDuffie is an interesting one. Uh, an interesting guy to look at offensively. Obviously, Travis Kelsey, but like Pacheco. I mean, they had a hard time stopping the run. I think if Pacheco can run, it opens up the pass game. And so Pacheco is a guy, and Rasheed Rice is the other guy in the passing game that is just. He's been playing really well. Um, but here's the bet right here. You ready? All right. Take the over. If you can find it. I don't even know if they'll have it. Take the over and receiving yards for MVS. So MVS has has made one or two big plays in every game that they've played so far this, this postseason. And then there's a chance where I mean, he's their fifth receiver or whatever it is. But – they send him on a deep route. He catches a 30 or 40 yard ball and his over under is probably going to be 25 and a half or something like that. So if you can find it, go with the over on MVS. Our wonderful friends at DraftKings have the great total minus 120 over 18 and a half. 18 yards. and a half. So I told you 18 and a half. That's crazy. All he has to do is catch one ball. I mean, it's minus money, but still, you know? Yeah. Throw, because throw, I did this last year and it hit, but I already have a plan of what I'm going to do because obviously I have all my betting videos I love to do. I'm going to have some single touchdown betters, just people I think are getting in the end zone. Yep. And yep. I'll do a same game parlay where I do, you know, two things from each side, like two San Francisco players to do X and two Kansas City players to do X. I like it. be the rushing yards, the receiving yards, all this other stuff. And then you go from there. I might have to sprinkle the CMC touchdown in there. Why? Because... Betting it single is he just He scores not... touchdown in every single game ever. It's, it's like minus 400 is going to score a touchdown. So yeah. it's like... <laughs> I would do for, if you're going to do it solo, you do first touchdown, if anything. Yes. Yeah. But there we have it. Over 18 and a half yards at minus 120, guys. It's a little too hard to pass up on because on Wednesday night, two days from now, will be part two of a degenerate's guide to the Super Bowl. Love we it. We did it last year. We're doing it again this year. It's going to be a lot of fun. Anyway, Pat, talking Pat's with Pat, it's always a fun thing. You kind of get. It is an opinion of the man who lives and breathes the New England Patriots. And we'll have to do this again soon before the draft because why? Because the fun really starts after the Super Bowl gets awarded next Sunday for as sad as that is because we're without football for seven months. You know, this is the way it goes. It used to be us. It used to be us every year yeah. in there, right? I got my Facebook memories that were popping up of, you know, Super Bowl wins and, you know, AFC championship games that I was at and all this other stuff. And, and, Unfortunately, that's not us anymore. Uh, now we're watching like like thirty other teams that were every year, and so uh, eh, you know it just is what it is. And and time is is cyclical. Unfortunately, it comes for everyone, and so uh, here we are in the downswing. But doesn't mean we can't swing back up someday. You never know. Exactly. Just hope and pray, and one day we'll be back on top. That's right. That's right. Anyway, for all you Swifties out there, join us tomorrow night when Sophie Weller and I give you a little bit of a Taylor Swift Super Bowl fix. But have a good night, and I hope you enjoyed episode 278 here on YWC Football Talk. Have a good night.
Hi, I'm Logan Anderson, host of the Say the Damn Score podcast. On my show, I deep dive into the sports broadcasting business by, you guessed it, talking to sportscasters. The show has featured big names like Bob Costas, Kenny Albert, and Vern Lundquist, as well as many up-and-coming broadcasters who you may not know yet, but you will know soon. Whether you're looking for professional development as a sportscaster, different career paths, or if you just want to be entertained by hearing some of the best storytellers in the world tell their own stories, this podcast is for you. You can subscribe to the podcast on all major podcast platforms, or you can visit our website, saythedamnscore.com. Do, did, will, the Story of People podcast is now available on the Cryer Media Network. The first five episodes are here and feature some incredible guests that fit into one or all three of those categories. Ready? Tara Sloan from the San Jose Sharks, Undercurrent Podcast at NBC Sports. Marianne Iveson from Iveson Voice and the Let's Take This Outside podcast to talk about the world of outdoors as well as voiceover land. Ariana Hunsicker, future Canadian Paralympic swimmer, already winning tons of awards for this country. Scott McGregor from the Hot Wallet podcast to dumb down the world of crypto, Bitcoin, and NFTs so you don't have to. And Jackie Holawati from Climate Pledge Arena in Seattle, Washington, the first net zero carbon certified arena on the planet. Wherever you get your pods, wherever you watch your pods, and on the Cryer Media Network.